but let's do what we do. I keep praying, Lord, bless these fingers, because that's what Daniel did with the keys. Lord, bless these fingers, and he can play the keyboard. He just gives me little stumpy things that don't move. So um, we'll keep praying for that, or maybe he's trying to tell me something. Maybe he's actually trying to tell me, just don't bother playing. Don't bother. There's other people. Make room for someone else, perhaps. So we've got a couple of announcements. Um, Tuesday and Thursday nights, we've got online meetings. So they're on Facebook and on YouTube and also on Spotify or Apple or whatever you prefer to listen to your podcasts on. On Spotify, they're actually a video podcast. Um, we will try and do them live when we can, but the last couple of weeks have been uh, pre-recorded uh, just because there's only so much time in the week and I can't do this stuff at midnight. So join us. I mean, last week's message on Tuesday was a pretty good one. What type of man is the prophet? It's been one of our highest watched lives, which is quite amazing. Um, those of you who watched it, it also tells you what a prophet is not. Uh, so I encourage you to go back and watch it. So we'll be doing those every Tuesday and Thursday night at 7 p.m. And uh, there was another announcement. Pastor Patty. So Pastor Nadine actually went and saw Pastor Patty, who some of you will know some, and some won't. And um, she's actually going to run a course, I think it might have been in February or something like that, and it deals with generational curses and, and all that sort of thing. So, and and um, issues with the Masons and, and all that sort of stuff. So if you've got that stuff in your family and you're interested in actually getting some freedom from that, and let me tell you, most families in Australia or in Western nations will have Mason roots running through them somewhere. If you want that type of freedom, have a chat to Nadine later on and she'll be able to give you the details. Um, but it's well worth doing. It's well worth doing. So let me encourage you. Yeah, we want some freedom for our church this year. And that will, that will mean having to step out and do some stuff ourselves, won't it? So let me encourage you. Deliverance and freedom is a good thing, but we need to learn about what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our families, what the generations before us have passed on. So let me encourage you. Have a think about it. Have a think about it. I, I did a little search two weeks ago because there was a word I had over my life that there were ministers in our family, in my family, in my bloodline, that um, had walked away from the ministry and I was going to bring it back. 
it's quite amazing when you, when you do a Google search for ministers with the surname of Hoban around the world, and you look at their family tree, we're all related. We're in Canada, we're in the UK, we're in Ireland, we're in Scotland. Some of them actually look like me, vaguely. So you know what? We have a bloodline here which we've broken off all that Masonic rubbish that was happening generations ago. Let me encourage you to do the same. And we're going to do communion today, but we're going to have it at the end. Just if anyone's wondering why we're not having communion right now, we're going to have it at the end. And I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. Um, we've got Authentic Voices Church in Mandra in Western Australia restreaming our service today to their people, which is fantastic. Um, anyone who's got Saturday night free, we're, we're being interviewed by one of their ministries, Covenant Couples. Myself and Amanda are being interviewed by them next Saturday night at 7 p.m., uh, which should be an interesting conversation. They interview married couples that are in ministry and, and go through the journey of, of where we've been and where God's taking us. So if you're free, that could be an interesting conversation. Who knows where it's going to lead? Who knows what's going to lead? Join me in the Lord's Prayer before we go any further. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray, this is what he said. He didn't say, Lord, give me a new car, give me a new job. He didn't say any of that. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Such a simple, simple prayer, right? That's how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Our Father in heaven, let's acknowledge him as God because that's who he is. Hallowed be your name, we revere your name, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Gary's kingdom is pretty weak, but his kingdom's pretty good. Bring that. Lord, forgive us our debts. Forgive those people that we've done bad things to as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us as we forgive them. Do not lead us into temptation. We'll find our own way there, but deliver us from the evil one when we get there. You know, we give the devil too much credit. Often the trouble you get yourself into, the strife you get yourself into, you got yourself there. You made one silly decision and that's where you ended up. Sometimes you made numerous silly decisions and that's where you ended up. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame God for it. Just acknowledge it and move on. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, we've seen healings. We've seen deliverance. We've seen miracles in this church. That's not the person that's praying for them. That's Jesus. That's God. It's the Holy Spirit doing that through them. There's no reason why anyone in this building today can't pray for someone and they're not healed if God's in it. Now, without a proper response to the Holy Spirit, our lives will be unproductive and our service will be feeble and weak. Have you ever tried doing things in the name of God without the Holy Spirit being involved or without God being involved? It often doesn't work out. It might work for a little while, and then you realise that, oh, it's actually hard, I'm doing it in my own strength. 
So to start the new year off, and let me tell you, it's, what, the 9th today? I've had my seven-day trial of 2022, and I think I want a refund. I've seen what the world's doing. I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of what God's up to. The world has gone crazy. <laughs> Seriously, who thought 2022 was crazy? Uh, 2020 was crazy. We all did, right? 2021 come along and said, oh, it's going to get better. Did it? Not really. We're in 2022. Let me tell you, this year for the world is going to get worse. But in the kingdom, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be so good. So we're starting the new year off with a series discussing, recognizing, and responding to the indwelling spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're not going to get any more of him. He's already there. We can pray that he, he does more in you and you let him out to do some stuff every now and then, but he's already in you. The day you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit in you. You may still need to be baptized in the Spirit. All the gifts that you're ever going to get are already in you. The Holy Spirit's just got to bring them out. So responding positively to the Holy Spirit in you is today's message. Let me pray for our offering before we go any further. We don't do an offering message, but you know what? We might need to. We might need to start if people don't start giving. Father, we bow down before your presence and thank you for the days of this new year. We can thank you for each day as a new page on which we can write a record of worship and witness, Lord, the works of your love for others. Thank you for these opportunities for living in this time, even if we may struggle physically in them sometimes. And thank you for the values of eternity. As we bring our tithes and offerings today, we pray your blessings upon these indications of our recognition of your ownership and lordship over our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to give ourselves completely into your service. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, there's one place in the Bible where Jesus says, test me in this, and that's giving. If you're not giving, test him in it. There's so many testimonies of blessings from this church through giving. You know, it's random sometimes. We'll, we'll see the church bank account. We don't check it every day. We might check it once a week or sometimes once a fortnight. And there'll be people that, you know, there'll be these random deposits put in. It might be $2, $5, whatever it might be. And you think, is this someone trying to scam the account? You know how you sometimes get that little bit that goes in and then they're trying to find the details? But, you know, people are actually giving on the little that they have around the world. Praise God for that. In the Western world, especially in Australia, we need to get that into our heads. Test me in this. It doesn't say test me in prayer. Test me in the miracles that I'm going to do. He says test me in this. The text we're going to concentrate on today is Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. It talks about being faithful. It says, Therefore, 
as the Holy Spirit says. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. Who thinks the world's going into a bit of a wilderness at the moment? And some church people. The wilderness is coming. Verse 9, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. I don't want to wander around the wilderness for 40 years, let me tell you. That would not have been a fun journey. But you know what the Israelites did? They complained the whole way, didn't they? They had manna, so they had food. They had shoes that didn't wear out. They had everything they needed. Lord, we want meat. Send us quail. It rained quail. It's like, oh, quail again? They just complained the whole time. If that's us, we've got to stop it. And the scriptures we're going to work through are Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, and then Psalm 95, 1 to 11. Let me read them. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, you will hear his voice. Sorry, if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. We could just preach on that scripture all day. Do not harden your hearts. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Let's not be that person. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Has anyone been trying to rest recently and it's not really working out for them? Maybe have a look at that scripture. Read that passage a little bit and see how that's working. Then we go into Psalm 95, 1 to 11. It's a call to worship and obedience. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Let's not come to him complaining. Let's come to him joyfully. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. Everything is his. The sea is his. For he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I love seeing people during worship on their knees, on their faces, because they're spending some time with the Lord. Verse 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. He is our God and we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand today, if you will hear his voice. Hang on a minute. Psalms has got the same as what we had before. Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You ever notice that sometimes scriptures repeat themselves? Anyone who is a parent here? You know, sometimes your kids don't listen. You've got to repeat yourself a few times. Do you think God's trying to tell us something when we get the same scriptures coming up every time? 
Have you developed a habit of making the appropriate response to a gift or an act of kindness when someone gives it to you? When someone gives you a gift, what do you say? Thank you. That's a habit that's been developed. As parents, we put forth a consistent effort, don't we? And to teach an attitude of gratitude to our children. When someone does something for them, when someone gives them something, say thank you. That's what we do as parents. We need to start doing that with God. Thank you, Lord. Some people always make an affirmative response when they receive a gift. Sometimes always make an affirmative response when they receive praise. When someone says, great job, Mandurt. Thank you. It's hard to say sometimes, but we, we've been trained to do that. But others never indicate an attitude of gratitude, do they? Some people, no matter what you do for them, will never say thank you. They'll never show gratitude for what you do. How have you responded to God's great gifts? You don't need to answer that out loud, but it's something to ponder. The gifts that God's given you, how have you responded? We should think of life itself as a gift from God. It can be snuffed out like that. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. How have you responded to God's gift of his son who came to be our saviour? Do you just say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, and that's it? Or do you actually do something with that gift that's been given to you? If you've received Jesus Christ as as your saviour, how have you responded to God's gift of his indwelling spirit? The Holy Spirit is in you. How have you responded to that? What have you done with it? Have you accepted it? Or are you just like, Holy Spirit's in me, I'm sweet, I'll just do my own thing. You know, sometimes you get that little voice in your head, just knocking. Go and pray for that person. I know Cindy shared a story quite a while ago about God was telling you, go and pray for that person. And she, she would have thought she would look like a crazy person running down the street chasing this person to pray for. Sometimes we've just got to do it, right? When God says, go and pray for that person, go and give that person $20, well, that's a bit harder than praying for them, isn't it? You've got to get my wallet out and hand them something. Go and buy that person a meal. They might not be grateful. A lot of the homeless people at Simon's Feeding, they're not grateful. They'll tell him they're coming to church every week. They'll do whatever. They'll actually place orders for the meals that they want. But you know what? He still does it. The Holy Spirit's saying, go and feed that person. It's possible to receive this priceless gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit and not even recognize it. We're told that in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now, we can receive the gift and not even know it. God's gift of his Holy Spirit is the gift of himself. It's an abiding presence in us. Do we understand that? It's not just coming to church on Sunday morning and seeing a couple of songs and listening to someone preach a word. He's already in us. We've got to understand this. This divine comforter, this counsellor, this helper is present to work the work of God in our hearts. 
You know when you do something wrong or you have a wrong thought and straight away your conscience is like, oh, that's not right? Let me tell you, that's the Holy Spirit saying, what are you doing? What is up? Come back to God. Don't do that. It's with his guidance and his energy and his assistance that we are, as disciples of Jesus, we're able to become Christ-like in our character and in our conduct. And we're not little gods. We're not little Christ. That's a whole other demonic doctrine which we don't believe and we don't preach, but we can become Christ-like. We can do what Jesus did. We can do the miracles he did. Imagine how good the world would be if we all just lived like Jesus did. If we all just did the stuff that he did. If we're all just as obedient to the Father as he was. You know, he didn't do anything unless the Father told him. And this is possible if we make a proper response to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go through a couple of points. First one is we face the danger of making a negative response to the Holy Spirit. You know that? We actually face the danger of making a negative response. We may grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's possible. Don't do it. This insight into the emotional reaction of God to our failure to respond properly should concern us. If we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we should be concerned about that. We should be doing all we can not to grieve him. In his letter to the Ephesians, in verses, or ch- sorry, chapter 4, verses 25 to 32, Paul details some of the attitudes of mind and the actions of life that can bring bitter grief to the Holy Spirit. Some of us might be doing these things. Have a read of those verses. But the opposite side of this coin is that we can bring joy to the Holy Spirit. I want to bring joy to the Holy Spirit. And we do that by cooperating with him in eliminating the bad character traits that's in us. Remember, we're fleshy little creatures with a spirit man inside us. And we need to eliminate the destructive forms of conduct towards others. What we do to ourselves grieves the Holy Spirit. What we do to others grieves him even more. The church has a bad name worldwide. The church has a bad name. And I'm not surprised when you look at a lot of Christians why the church has a bad name. Yeah, the lack of leadership that's been raised up within churches, the last generation has so much to answer for. Raising up people that weren't called but could entertain has created a weak church. It's created a church that wants people's money, not at the refinery. But worldwide, most people you say, well, why don't you come to church? The church just wants my money. There's a problem with that. We've created a weak church. We've allowed it to happen. It's time to stand up. We've grieved the Holy Spirit by doing that. We're told in 1 Thessalonians that you may also quench the Holy Spirit. Do you know people that have been on fire for God? They've had the Holy Spirit in them. They've done miracles. They've seen healings. But then all of a sudden, it's almost like it's been snuffed out. This is a picture of like pouring water on a fire. 
we can actually get into that position ourselves. It's a picture of quenching the flame of a candle. And it refers to a response towards the Holy Spirit that refuses to cooperate with him as he seeks to do God's work within us. If he's calling you to do something, do it. If you don't, you're being disobedient and you're quenching the Spirit. At some stage, he may stop asking you to do stuff. Do you understand that? When God says, go and pray for that person, and you say no, he'll find someone else. You say no to him enough times, it gets really easy just to say no, doesn't it? So you just, you just do a little bit of sin and it becomes acceptable. Then you do a little bit more sin and it's more acceptable. And eventually sin's just part of your life. You've got to start cooperating with him. You may insult and outrage the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I don't want to outrage the Holy Spirit. Quenching him is bad enough. Grieving him, bad enough. Outraging him, get ready for fire to be called down. You may insult him and outrage him. We're told in Hebrews 10.29. In Hebrews 10.25-31 contains a warning that should cause us to tremble if we are tempted to point to the point of yielding to the forces of evil and to the purposes of Satan. Mark that down, Hebrews chapter 10, 25 to 31. And if you don't tremble when you read that, if you're tempted to do wrong, talk to me and we'll pray for you. The scripture teaches us very forcefully that our Father God chastises His children when they live a life of disobedience that grows out of little faith and a rebellious spirit. Who wants God to chastise them? Because if you're his children, he will. We chastise our children when they're growing up, don't we? We correct them because we love them. So he will correct you because he loves you. If you want to live a life of disobedience because of little faith and a rebellious spirit, he will chastise you. I encourage you, don't go down that path. If you have that rebellious spirit, we have enough ministers in this church that do deliverance. We will deliver you from it. If you want to let it go, we will deliver you from it. If you don't want to let it go, it's not a thing anyone else can do for you. You've got to be willing to let go of those demons. You've got to be willing to let go of that rebellious spirit. And the second point today is an invitation to respond positively to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Some people have a tendency to confine God to the past. They think of him as, a living, as, as living in ancient times when the Bible was written. You know, oh, you know, Jesus was just this guy that walked around on the earth 2,000 years ago. and you know, He may have been a prophet, but maybe not. You know, but, but we believe he was a good man. I've had people in my family say that to me. But some people think of him as living in ancient times. And that's a sad mistake to think of God as some kind of antique that must be relegated to history. That's why we have progressive Christianity. Because they think God belongs back then. 
Progressive Christianity brings us gay ministers, gay marriage. Just do whatever you want. God loves you. That's a lie of the devil. There is no progressive Christianity. There'll be many people who are probably watching online who go to churches that are closed today that are progressive churches. (laughs) The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Progressive Christianity is a lie of the devil. I love the fact that we live in an apartment building that no one can get into. Because if we still lived in our own, on our, our old house, we'd be having eggs and all sorts of stuff thrown at it most weeks. Progressive Christianity is a lie of the devil. You know, I actually start each message with a plan not to offend anyone. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work out most weeks. God is not a God to be relegated to history. Others make the mistake, though, of combining God to the future, don't they? They think of him as being concerned only about the soul and its safety in heaven. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the God of the living right now. Eternity, heaven, is our destination, but he is concerned about us right now. He concerns about what well, he's concerned about what's going on in your life now. He's concerned about if you have an illness, or you're having issues within your family, you're having issues within your marriage. He's concerned about that right now. He's not just confined to the future. Yes, he's concerned about your soul, and he's concerned about your eternity, but he's worried about now. Because if you don't know him now, the older we get. And the longer it takes to get to know him, we're not just wasting our life, but it gets harder to know him at the end. We all know people, I'm sure, that have passed away not knowing God. I'm not saying that someone on their deathbed can't accept Christ. I mean, it was good enough for the thief on the cross. But how many people pass away without even knowing him? Is that because we didn't tell them? I certainly hope not. But we don't want to be in that position. Because we have a choice between heaven and hell. There's no fence. Or if there is, the devil owns it. You're either in or you're out. It's black and white. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the God of the living. We've got to remember that. He is the God of the now. He is the God of current events. What's going on in the world? Let me tell you, he wasn't surprised. He didn't wake up one morning and go, Holy Spirit, COVID. It was no surprise for him. We've got to remember some of the good things that's come out of COVID. Some families have actually come back together. We're starting to get, some, some people are starting to get some good old-fashioned values. We're starting to do things with our families instead of going out all the time. The casino just across here was closed for months. How good is that? The brothels on the Gold Coast were closed for over a year. That's a good thing. 
There's still some other stuff going on there. But he's the God of current events. He's our contemporary. Now, he's put it on my heart this last few months about the, the human trafficking here on the Gold Coast. It's happening. I don't have evidence of it, but let me tell you, it's happening. I would go as far to say, and this is from the Holy Spirit, this isn't me making it up, there is human trafficking happening within our churches. I don't have evidence of it, but the Holy Spirit has put it on my my heart so strongly that it must be true. We've got to start standing up against this stuff. Because God is the God of current events. We either serve him and we go into the battle and do something about it. Or we can stand aside and be be supporters, helping the people that are in the battle. That's okay as well. Because we're not all called to fight. We're not all called to stand in the middle of that battle wielding the sword. Sometimes we need reinforcement. Sometimes we need the encouragement, the support. But we don't want to be the people that are standing on the edge going, you know what, I don't even know if there's a battle. I think you're crazy. We don't want to be those people. By means of his Holy Spirit, God wants to speak to us today. Let me encourage you, if you're not praying every day, now is a really good time to start. Every morning, every night, Amanda must get sick of it. Lord, thank you for my beautiful wife. Thank you that we get to serve you together and and a whole lot of other stuff. Everyone here we pray for. Even some of the people we haven't seen for a while, we still pray for everyone. We've got to start praying. A praying church is a strong church. We serve a big God. We have a big faith so we can have big prayers. Start praying. And we must hear his voice. If we're not praying, how do we hear him? We have to speak to him. And speak to him like he's a... He's God, but speak to him like he's a friend. Because he is. Jesus was the friend of sinners, right? We're all sinners in, in our flesh. But now we're saved. Start speaking to him. Hear his voice. And don't pray to him like a lot of people. Father God, Father God, Father God. We don't, we, I don't talk to Simon like that. I don't go and see Simon and say, Simon, 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 Simon. Thank you for this. Father, Simon, Simon. I don't do that. Speak to God like he's a person. Respect him. He is God. But start speaking to him. As you would anyone else. Lord, I thank you that we get to serve you. Lord, I thank you that we get together. Not Father God, Father God, Father God, Holy Spirit. Just talk to him. He's not schizophrenic and either are we. He knows his name. We've got to hear his voice though. But it's shocking to read through Scripture and discover that both in the Old and New Testament, the recurring statement if you've read your Bible enough, you will know this. It says, many times, you would not listen. Or, they would not listen. Has everyone seen that in their Bible before? It's all through it. You would not listen. Have a listen to the messages that I've, I started last Tuesday about the prophets. 
Listen to the major message of the minor prophets. I recorded one yesterday for this Tuesday. And a lot of the message of Hosea was they would not listen. The Old Testament prophets was all they would not listen. And there's a nice little dig in there of um, the United Nations, which I'm sure many of you would enjoy. Some people refuse to listen because they are preoccupied with their own pursuits. Has anyone here in that room, in in this room, done that before? Lord, I can't listen to you now. I've got to go to work. Lord, I can't listen to you now because I really want to go and do something sinful over there. And he's, as as you're about to sin, he's there saying, stop, 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 stop. I've got something better for you. Lord, I can't listen. Can't hear you. I'm going to go and do this. Others refuse to listen because they disagree. And discouragement often, often hinders a person from really hearing. If I start preaching a message or a scripture that you don't like, chances are you're going to switch off and you're not going to listen to the rest of the message. Don't do that. If you're offended with what this says, that's your problem. It's not mine. Certainly not God's. If you're offended by what Bible version version I preach out of, unless it's the message, if if I ever preach out of the message, let me know and I'll stop. If you're offended by the Bible version, it's actually your problem, not mine. I encourage you to read the New King James or the King James or the Amplified, but it's up to you. I don't care what Bible version you read, as long as you read one. So if you disagree, that could be hindering you from actually hearing what God has to say, from really hearing it. Because often we're hearing someone. You're you're all hearing my voice now. But are you really listening to what I'm saying? Are you really listening to what God's saying as I bring the word? Because I might be preaching something and he might be telling you something completely different out of the same scripture. The Holy Spirit, Spirit speaks to us today through the scriptures This might have been written a couple of thousand years ago, but he still speaks to us. If you pick this up and start reading it, you will get something from it, if you're looking. The Holy Spirit speaks to us today through spiritual songs. That's why I wanted to sing that chorus again today. He's speaking to us. We're making a declaration. We all love that song. This is how I fight my battles. On my knees in prayer. I love that Daniel is a psalmist and he writes songs. When he sings his own songs, listen, because God will be speaking to you, I can assure you of that. You guys have seen Daniel writing songs for years. He speaks through those songs, doesn't he? And Daniel's like me. When he gets a song, he has to get it on paper straight away. You know, he, when, I'm, when God gives me a message, Pastor Amanda will tell you, Keep away from me, because I've got to get it on paper. Otherwise, I'll be irritable and cranky and all sorts of things until it gets done. That's okay, because when God speaks to us, it's for a time and a place. The Holy Spirit speaks to us today through pastors and teachers. Not teachers in schools, because what they're teaching is often so far away from the Holy Spirit, it's ridiculous. 
Holy Spirit can speak to us through our parents. If you're a parent, the Holy Spirit can be using you to speak to your children. The Holy Spirit speaks to us today through the church. The true church of Jesus Christ is where the Holy Spirit resides. And that's where he meets. God only works through his church. He's not coming back for anything else but his church. The Holy Spirit speaks to us today through the events of life. Through the choices we make every single day. That's how he speaks to us. The constant argument that we see going on out in the world and the abuse between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. And let me tell you, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking to us, that's the devil. Don't get involved in that. We all have an opinion. Don't wave it around. It often doesn't matter. Is that a cat? Oh, goodness. For those of you online, there's a cat chasing a lizard outside. So as he speaks to us, that's all right, Zed will get the cat and the lizard. The Holy Spirit speaks to us today through the events of life. But the thing is, do we listen? Do we listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling us? Are you tuned in to hear what God is saying to you with the still, small voice of his Holy Spirit within you? Are you actually listening to what he's saying? I can't answer that for you. I can often see the fruit of whether you're listening or not, but it's up to you to actually listen and do. I can't do your listening for you. I wish I could. And notice the warning. Do not harden your hearts in rebellion. Do not be rebellious to the Holy Spirit. When he tells you to do something and you say no, you're being rebellious. It's as simple as that. You're going to grieve him. And eventually he will just go, you know what? Susan's going to do what I ask her to do. I'll get her to do it instead. I don't want to be that type of minister. I want to be the type of minister that he uses until the day that he calls me home again. You can harden your heart by ignoring his voice. Don't ignore him, please. We see so many people that are praying that they walk in divine health. They're praying for miracles. They're praying for their families. But sometimes when God gives them the answer, do they actually ignore God's voice? It's possible to ignore him to the point that he no longer, or that you no longer hear what he says. If you ignore him enough. You know, some people can have music and all sorts of things playing when they're at work. They can be, I mean, I'd be terrible at a childcare centre. Screaming kids everywhere. I'd get nothing done. I wouldn't be able to concentrate. But some people can ignore all that, can't they? I need to focus on what the Holy Spirit's saying. I don't need the distraction and all the white noise around me. Because if I start ignoring what he's saying, I'm afraid that one day I might not hear what he says. I don't want any of you to be like that either. You can harden your heart by disobedience to God's will. Are you disobedient to what he says? Are you disobedient to what the word says? I can answer some of those questions for you if you like, but we won't do it publicly. Because I look at the fruit 
I don't care whether you're the best prophet in the world, you're the best evangelist, you're the best whatever. Many of you will know, we've had the conversations before, show me the fruit. I don't care who you are, show me your fruit. Because we're all equal. It doesn't mean we can all do the same things, but we're all equal. You can harden your heart by refusing to listen when God seeks to speak to you. When God says, Paul, we need to talk, you can harden your heart and ignore him, or you can go, yes, Lord, what is it? And I believe when, he, when you say, yes, Lord, what is it? He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You can harden your heart by making excuses for yourself and by blaming other people. That one's directed at each and every person here. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming someone else for the situation you are in. We've all... It's hard to look at ourselves, isn't it? It's hard to look at ourselves and say, Lord, you know what? It was me who messed up that situation and not blame the other person comes back to forgiving and being forgiven. Let us bow down in worship before the presence of the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell within each and every one of us individually and all of us collectively. I love that verse where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. Holy Spirit's already in us. When people ask me to pray for them or for their families or whatever it might be, often I will ask them, do you believe that this is going to happen? Do you believe that God's going to heal you? Do you whatever they're asking for, do you believe it's going to happen? And if they say yes, the easiest thing for me to do is say, I'm going to stand in agreement with you. We just need to stand together and agree that God's going to be involved in a situation and believe it's going to happen. If we don't believe it, it's not going to happen. You know, we see these people, Lord, I just, Lord, I, I'm praying for a job, but I can't get off the couch because I'm playing the Xbox. Guess what? You're not going to get a job like that. Lord, I'm praying to lose... 10 kilos. Pass me the chocolate cake. Guess what? Sometimes we've actually got to do something ourselves. Or pass me the donuts in my case. Sometimes we've actually... Zane knows my donuts are my temptation, so he sends me donuts a few weeks ago. It's like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but I enjoyed them. <laughs> but we've actually got to start believing that God's going to do something and then walk it out. Don't we? Don't just lay on the couch and wait for him to do something. He might, but it's much better if you get up and actually do something yourself. Let us rejoice in the creative and benevolent purpose of the indwelling spirit within us. He has come to enable us all, each and every one of us, to be all that God wants us to be. We have the Holy Spirit within us to be all that he wants us to be. Do we understand that? If you're trying to do it in your own strength, stop. 
turn to him. If you're looking for healing, turn to him. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Sometimes he wants to give them a chance to prove themselves as well. Don't try and do it in your own strength. Just stop, rest, do it in him. He wants us to be everything that we can be. He is present to produce within us the character of Jesus Christ. Who wants the character of Jesus Christ? I know I do. Let me tell you, I fall a long way short. But each and every day, he's working on me. Let us trust him for help. That's a bit hard, isn't it? Trusting him for help. Trusting him for everything that he says he's going to do. But we call ourselves Christians. Trusting him for our provision. Let us trust him for his leadership and strength. Let him guide you. See how your life changes when you do. When you say, Lord, it's yours. Do what you will. He might put you out in the wilderness for a little while. But that's okay, because he'll be trying to teach you a lesson. A lesson unlearned is a lesson returned. If you keep going around that same mountain, guess what? God's trying to teach you something. Let's trust him for divine inner control. Let's trust the Holy Spirit to guide us. If you've not yet come to know Jesus as your Saviour, I know everyone in this room is saved, but those watching online, if you've not yet come to know him as your Saviour, the Holy Spirit calls you to him by the great needs in your life. We all have needs in our lives, right? The Holy Spirit is calling you closer to him. I mean, we're a church that in in recent months, we've seen miracle babies. We've seen women get pregnant that doctors have said, no, it's not going to happen. Give up. We're a church that has seen deliverance within the service. We're a church that has seen so much happen through the great needs in people's lives when we actually hand it over to the Holy Spirit and let him move. He invites you to Jesus by the virtue of the need for forgiveness. If you're struggling to forgive someone today or you need forgiveness yourself, reach out to him. Start seeking him. He calls you to Christ by your potential, potential for helpfulness to others. Simon has been called out of the Catholic Church to Christ because of his helpfulness to others. He's out there feeding the homeless every day. He's out there sitting with the alcoholics and the drug addicts and people are walking past thinking he's one as well, ignoring him, not even wanting to talk to him. That's why he's been called out of the Catholic Church, to actually serve Christ, to be part of a fellowship that loves God, to see what Christianity and kingdom nature is all about. He calls you through your responsibility for being helpful. You are responsible as believers in Christ to help others. We can't say, oh, you know, the the government should help them. The council should help them. 
Oh, you know, those wealthy business people over there, they should help them. You, as the Church of Christ, should help people. That's what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. Asking, I know some of our, our government members are Christian, but asking a worldly government to do what the church is supposed to do is never going to work. And making excuses that they should be doing it is never going to work. Didn't Jesus not go around healing the lepers, healing the, you know, the, the weak of mind, lifting people up, pulling them out of the gutter, feeding them? You imagine if, if 5,000 people turned up here and we had five loaves of bread and you know, a couple of fish? Are we going to pray for that food or are we going to um, run down to Coles where the shelves are empty? We are called as the church to help people. Let's start with our own families. We are a very good church at that. When it comes to people within our body needing help, let me tell you, you get, most of you don't hear what happens through the week. But let me tell you, this church is feeding church members at times. This, this isn't myself or Amanda. This is the church doing this. This church is actually picking people up and driving them to appointments that they need to get to. That warms our hearts. That's the Holy Spirit in action right there. This church is helping each other. That's where we start. God wants to forgive your sin. And he wants to give you the gift of eternal life. If today you will receive him, if you haven't already, but if you have, if you will start becoming obedient to what he says, you will have eternal life. I'm a minister that believes that we can lose our salvation. So let's not do that. Let's start believing and trusting and being obedient in what he says. And I'm going to finish up with that. And then we're going to have communion. So those of you that are joining us online, we're going to, uh, we're going to leave you now. We're going to have some communion here and then a little bit more worship and some fellowship because that's the type of church we are. We break bread together every single week.